Today we're talking with two of Eleni's dear friends from her university days, Bianca and Jenny. Bianca, otherwise known as Bianca in Australian. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that there was such a dramatic difference between Bianca and Bianca. Is that that a thing? I guess it's a thing. (laughs) I think it comes up in the episode too. Remember you going, Bianca, and she was like, it's okay, you can call me that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I I don't think I fully understood at the time. I was like, huh? <laughs> okay, uh, now I understand. Um, so um, Bianca, Jenny, and I went to uni together. Um, at the time where we were recording the podcast, I was in New York City. Jenny and Bianca both live in London. However, Bianca was back in Australia at the time renewing her visa. So we managed to coordinate this conversation across three time zones. Bravo. (laughs) So we were all in very different states. Emotional states, tiredness states perhaps. Uh, We thought it would be fun to all get together. However, we weren't necessarily expecting that the dreams would be thematically connected in any way. Bianca and Jenny each picked a dream of their own choosing. We didn't give them a briefing for any specific type of dream other than we love hearing about recurring dreams. And we were surprised at some of the synergies that popped up and the overlapping themes. So we hope you will enjoy the conversation. Who wants to go first? Um, Jenny? No, I can go first. <laughs> I won't do, do that to you, Jenny. I won't do that to you. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so my... The dream that this is a recurring dream, so it's not one that I've had recently, but it's a dream that I have had on and off since I finished year 12. So since year 12, which is, I don't know, 14 years, I I have this dream where in the dream I know that I'm kind of aware of the fact that I'm no longer in year 12, but it's kind of like I've been transported back to year 12 and I get my exam timetable and there's Japanese on it. And for some reason, it's a surprise to me that that's been on the exam timetable because I haven't been into any classes and I haven't been studying it. And so I'm in like this shock state, been like, I haven't studied for it. How do I cram for this? And it's always me just running around trying to like get all the books and trying to cram to study for it. And then I realize that it's a dream and I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then I wake up. And so I just... It, it always comes up in the randoms of times. Um, so there's nothing really going on in my life, in like waking life, that would make that dream come up. So maybe that's one you can help me interpret. Uh, yeah, we can dig into that one. How many times has this dream happened since you started having it? Um, so it's been 14 years since you started having the dream. I think I have it like every year. Oh, wow. So like I always have it. And I'm not sure if this matters or not, babe. You said you've been having it since year 12. Did you have it during year 12 or like since you graduated? Um, since I graduated. Is that the overall arc of the dream? Do you take the test or? No, um, I never, do- I never, I never take the test. It's always just realizing that I have to do it. And then it's like panicking, but I never actually have to sit the test. So the dream ends essentially while you're panicking, but you, you never get to the part where there's the test. Yeah, correct. But she also realizes in the dream that it's not it's real. A, Didn't you say that? Yeah, yeah. 
So it sounds like a lot of feelings come up in terms of the reaction of being shocked. I'm sure there's anxiety. There's the panic and the the rush to study. I'm sure there's probably some insecurity that comes up. Yeah, because I just don't like to be unprepared. Because when I look back at my year 12, it was like I was really, I knew that I was really prepared. So I think with this, it was kind of a bit shocking for me in the dream to be like, how did I miss this? Mm. Mm. So what did you study in school? You started having this dream in at just after the end of high school. You said that you never took Japanese, but in the dream, no, it's always I, Japanese. I, I did. I did take that subject, but it was just... I think like in the dream, I wasn't meant to take it, but in, in, in my actual like final year of um, high school, I did take Japanese. Oh, so you, you actually did take Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in the dream, the, the sequence of the dream was that I didn't study it at all. If that makes Wait, sense. So in real life, you did take Japanese as a class and in real life yeah, you did, did study for it? Yeah, I did. So I passed but it. In the dream. Um, but in my in my dream, I wasn't studying it and it was on my exam list of things. Like I had to study an exam for it, but I hadn't been to any classes and I wasn't aware that I was meant to be studying for it. Okay, so what were your what were your feelings about taking Japanese in school? What was your relationship to Japanese? Well, my um my dad's actually Japanese, but we weren't taught as kids, so I learned it at school. But I was fine taking it. I think there was there was one point where I was like, oh, it's too hard. But as I was having these dreams, because I did Japanese at high school, but I also studied it um, at university. So while I was having these dreams, I was also studying in yeah, like university grade. So that, I guess that's the relationship is that I have like a heritage, a Japanese heritage of um, learning the language, but I'm not fluent. So then how do you feel about your ability to speak Japanese and your ability to understand and to speak Japanese? I can I can understand when like family members, like my grandma speak to me, but I can't speak back like in full sentences. So I speak broken Japanese and English to my grandma. And how do you feel about that? I think I feel bad about it because obviously like it's a family member and you should be able to communicate but in, in the same right, I think it's just a bit difficult when you're not necessarily taught properly. I guess I have a grandma who can speak Japanese, but I can't communicate to her properly. But in the same right, like I wasn't taught by my dad or my grandma how to speak Japanese. So like it's kind of more self-taught. So I only really learned through high school and university. We weren't sent to Japanese school or anything like that. So your father and your grandmother speak Japanese, and I guess there there must be many different emotions that come up when you think about communicating with them, particularly with your grandmother, I guess. So there's some levels of uh, frustration. Is there any like anger, sadness, embarrassment, longing? I think um, for me, it would have been, I guess, because I do have the culture like cultural background, it would be nice to be able to speak. And I guess it's kind of one of those things where people say, oh, you know, you, you're half Japanese, you, do you speak? And I don't. So it's not, it's not an embarrassing thing, but it's more like it's like, well, this is my background. And so it's like kind of honouring that background. But I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by it. I think it's just more, it's a bit of a shame that I had the opportunity and I can't. You mentioned it's kind of, 
you know, it's frustrating not being able to communicate or like you feel bad that you're not able to communicate with your grandma. So I think that it might be a little bit relevant to talk about like your father too and maybe also like what was going on at the time when you started having these dreams because I think that might be relevant. Yeah, I was going to ask what happened around the, the first time that you had the dream. Yeah. So just for background sake, so my dad didn't teach um, me and my sister Japanese because he didn't actually really like living in Japan. So he was he wasn't like someone who adhered to rules. And so he left Japan when he was like 20 and he met my mum in London and that's how they got together and got married and had us. And I guess his mentality was that because he moved to Australia. This is kind of like similar to other immigrants. It's like you move to a different country, you assimilate. So he kind of, he still had an attachment to Japan, but I guess he didn't, he was like, well, you're Australian, you should speak English. I can't really remember when I first had the dream, but I think it must've been like first year uni. And around that time, my dad did pass away. Um, No, actually that's Mm. not true. No, he passed away after that. But I think... He passed away probably four years after I started uni, but I think I must have had the dream around first year uni, but yeah, that's probably around the first time I had it in first year uni. My mother's from the Philippines, so I'm half Filipino, and I didn't grow up speaking Tagalog or Cebuano either. This brings up a lot of resonance with me in the sense that I thought about learning Tagalog in college because they did have Tagalog classes at, at UC Berkeley, but I decided to take Spanish because I thought that that would be more practical in the long run. But I did have this kind of back and forth feelings about whether or not I should take Tagalog. But the funny thing is that Tagalog is not even my mom's first language because Cebuano was my mom's first language. So there's actually nowhere I could go to to learn Cebuano except for my family. So I can really relate to this wanting to learn the language to you know, be able to connect more to a culture that I do feel connected to. So I just wanted to say that really, really quick. And in your dream, Japanese was not something that you studied. So then you feel panic, rushing to study, you feel a a need to catch up. And I wonder if that reflects something in how you feel in, in real life, rushing to catch up. Because when the exam comes, when you learn about the exam, you're suddenly, oh, how crap, how do I get up to speed? How do I prepare myself for this? In real life, you don't like to be unprepared. So I'm curious, do you remember any other events that were happening around the times? Like, do you remember how you were feeling during the times that you had the dream? I think it's always subconscious because I'm always surprised that I've had it because like you would think a dream like that would come around a time that you were really stressed about something or like you had to do work and you had time pressure or something but it's always come at a time where I'm like this is odd that this is the type of dream I'm having so I I can't really pinpoint like anything that would kind of trigger it I do like to be prepared so maybe it's something to do with like at that point in time in my life there was something but it's just it's just odd that it's always recurring do you think that it might actually be that during those times you're not actually stressed and somehow subconsciously that triggers a, some kind of a panic mode. Maybe. So on some level, like during this period of time, I'm actually comfortable and I'm actually fine, but there's some part in your subconscious that's like, oh crap, is there something I'm missing? Maybe. I th- that, that might actually be something that resonates with me actually. 
Because you know when you when you think things are going fine, and you're like, oh, something else might something might just pop up. So that probably is something that could have happened, actually. And also this notion of you're missing something. Maybe that's a, a phrase that we could dig into. Like, oh, I'm I'm missing something. I I'm not prepared. I I didn't realize this was something that I needed to do. I didn't realize this was something I didn't have. Hmm. Maybe that's a theme that parallels your connection to to speaking Japanese. It's like, oh, later in life, you realize that this is something that I didn't have, that I didn't, and now you have to catch up. Yeah, because it might be, because I guess like with that, as my grandma's getting older, like as time and time goes past, she's getting older, and obviously my dad can't teach us now. So maybe it is connected to that as well, that like the window of opportunity is kind of closing as well and learning. I'm not sure. So there's definitely connections with your grandmother feeling this disconnection, wanting to catch up and wanting to be able to communicate, to connect. It also sounds like you're a very diligent person. So not being prepared is probably pretty alarming. And I can also imagine me, me being you know, the son of an immigrant as well. Exams are a very important thing, right? Like the, the idea of schooling. I know when my mom came to the U.S. from the Philippines, she impressed upon my siblings and I the notion that schooling was really important. And schooling was your pathway to opportunity and the pathway to complete the American dream. And I don't know if there's the equivalent of the Australian dream that, you know, your father came from Japan and he didn't like Japan. So he came to raise you guys as Australians. And maybe there's this sense that there's a lot of pressure that comes with exams, right? Yeah, I think that that does kind of resonate. It's not that it was like an, an American dream thing per se, but it's more that my parents were working class. So I think it was just that there was the pressure of doing well because they were putting a lot of money for us to go into private school. So maybe it's something like that as well, where it was like, you know, there's, there's kind of consequences to exams as well, maybe. Mm, consequences. Not consequences, but it, but I guess it's more like there's um, an expectation that someone's working hard to kind of put you through an education and then to pay them back, you do well with your grades. Yeah, that hits for me. <laughs> yeah, it hits for me too. <laughs> I was like, I think it's for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Migrant. Yeah, so we're children. all immigrant, immigrant yeah. children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As the children of immigrants, we all suddenly had that moment of resonance. <laughs> The pressure to do well on the exams, the pressure to do well in our lives, the pressure to to be prepared and to be able to live up to our family legacy or to, to honor our family legacies, you know, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> the expectations are real. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also interesting to think about. It's like, it's kind of that idea that your parents are setting you you up to do well and you're like trying really hard and then you get to the moment where you need to perform and you're like, wait a minute, like, am I actually prepared or am I, am I missing something? Like, have I, like all this hard work, is it just not going to come to fruition? Yeah. And also maybe, I don't know if this resonates for you, but it's interesting that of all the things, of all the tests that come up in the dream, in the dream, it's not calculus and suddenly, oh, crap, I'm not prepared for my calculus exam. It's, oh, crap, I'm not prepared for my Japanese exam. And it's yeah. like this notion that I'm missing something from my roots. Like, am yeah. I missing something from my roots that's not helping me prepare for facing my life? 
Yeah. I, I do sometimes, I do think about it after I've had the dream and I'm like, maths wasn't my strongest one. So I'm always surprised that the dream wasn't me. Like it, the logical thing would have been me freaking out about maths because I don't like it. So it's, I, I always <laughs> find it weird that it's Japanese because I'm like, oh, you can kind of wing that, I guess. But like maths, you can't really wing if you don't have a calculator or you don't have like a cheat sheet or something. So maybe it is something that's connected. It's all interlinked like that where it's, I've never really thought about it, but maybe it is to do with that whole heritage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, immediately when you said Japanese, Bianca, I was like, oh, it's so interesting because it's like, that's not a coincidence. Like if I was dreaming about Japanese, it definitely wouldn't have the same meaning. Like there's a very personal connection for you. Yeah. And that's a big key key thing here is that all of these dreams are in relation to our own personal experiences. So we kind of internalize a lexicon of imagery and a lexicon of experiences that we draw upon and that our subconscious starts building these images from. So with this internal language that you have, and it's funny that we're talking about a language actually. So, <laughs> you know, your brain builds this internal language to to speak to you in the to to try to make sense of life using these various images. And this concept of Japanese clearly holds various meanings for you, like the concept of learning Japanese and the fact that you did learn Japanese in university and in high school. You it's something that I, I'm guessing that you actually this is maybe a, a useful clarifying question. When you started taking Japanese, was that by your choice or was that impressed upon you from someone else? Uh, it was my choice. Yeah, because I think it was more like there was an opportunity to learn and it was like you may as well learn a language that would be useful in everyday life. Not that it was the super helpful, but um, but it was more useful than learning like, say, German or French. I think it's interesting that that's a choice you made. So in this dream, you know, you're getting ready to take these tests and suddenly, suddenly Japanese comes up as something that you're going to be tested on. And it's like, okay, this is something that in reality you actually have tried to prepare for, but maybe there's some insecurity around your preparedness since it's something you chose and you've been trying to make up for. But there's also this sense of like, I wasn't taught this. Maybe there's some anger and resentment about that because I know I've felt that sometimes where it's like, ah, I wasn't taught this when I was young. Like this would have been easier if I learned this when I was young. The choices that we make to prepare ourselves for our lives, you know, are we making the right choices? Are we as prepared as we thought we were? Oh, I think that that does resonate in a way. And I guess, yeah. I guess it was one of those things where um, I'm not sure it's the same in America, but you have to choose like English and like you have to do English and maths, but I guess it is by choice to do Japanese. I think that's interesting too, because what I love about dreams, because it is like your subconscious, it's like things that are very, you know, deep and like potentially repressed. So it's like, maybe you haven't allowed yourself to feel that anger and that resentment for not learning like maybe at a surface level you're like oh that's a bit annoying like I kind of wish that was different but maybe like deep down there is like a lot of hurt that you haven't allowed yourself to process or like haven't allowed yourself to feel yeah because I think like face value I'm kind of like oh it is what it is like can't be helped but maybe it is like because I do have friends who went to like Japanese school and they're like fluent like Anna Triggs in the same position as me. She's her grand, uh, my grandma's friends with her grandma, and she's like fluent in Japanese. So it is interesting. So it, it, it might be that because I think it is a bit of a shame, but it's just something you kind of have to let go because it's it was a choice 
like it was my dad's choice to not to teach us. So maybe. Yeah. 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 And I also think it's interesting, like you mentioned, you know, your grandmother's getting older and you feel like the, that opportunity like will soon completely be lost, you know? And like, I think that's interesting to think about with your dad too. It's like, you are probably like subconsciously also processing, like having to like let go of that being a possibility coming from your father, like ever having learned from him. It's like kind of like a process of grieving that. Yeah. Could be that as well. Cause I think maybe that started, maybe it started to be like, cause obviously he was still around when I first had the dreams, but maybe it is like, obviously the frequency of it, like it, it ha- it's not like it's just a once off kind of dream. Maybe it is attached to that too. Yeah. yeah, because did he start, was he sick in first year uni or like was he still, when did he start get, getting yeah, sick? Yeah, he, he started getting sick in first year uni. Yeah. And then it was like throughout uni he was sick. Yeah, because oh. that's why I brought that up like about the timing because that's kind of the timing I remembered but I was like not 100% sure because I think we didn't, we kind of like were more acquaintances in like first and second year uni. It wasn't until probably late second or third year that we really got to know each other better but I feel like that's something to think about too because you're mentioning your grandma's getting older and you're feeling like that opportunity will be lost so it's interesting the dream started as your you know dad started getting sick and that's probably the first time you started to realize that you would lose that like you that would be your connection to Japan and that would be like slowly lost Mm. that's true actually that it did that time it is around the same time. Yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's kind of funny because I'm just like, oh, whatever, that's just a really random dream. But now we're kind of piecing it together. I'm like, actually, it's all come, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, maybe that is the thread. And like you could kind of pull in at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be interesting to pay attention to the next time it comes up to now that you have a bit more context around it. Yeah. Because I think like I brought this one up because I'm like this one, um, I've always wondered about it. And I sometimes like, you know, use Google to see what dreams mean. And it's so like vague and I guess personal to me that no one else has really had the same dream. So yeah, yeah, definitely when I next have it, I'll be thinking about these discussion points. Yeah. All right. I feel like we've definitely shed some light on this. And there's, I think there's a lot more to... You know, I think you have a lot more to explore there. And it sounds like this dream's probably going to come back since you've had this probably 14 times. (laughs) (laughs) So the next time it comes back, I'm really curious to hear what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm curious to hear whether the dream is going to change. And I'm curious to hear whether your emotional reaction to the dream will change the next time it comes. Yeah. Well, keep you in the loop. (laughs) (laughs) Next year. (laughs) Next year when it comes again. Yeah, next year. Actually, this year I haven't had it. This I haven't had it this year, so this will be the year. year, The year is still young. You're going to be due. We could have a comeback episode. Yeah, I love that. Where is where is she now? (laughs) The dream returns. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Cool. I love it. Great. That was great. Thank you. All right. So, Jenny. Do do I just start? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a dream in mind uh, that you want to talk about today? Well, I think for me it's, like, more interesting because more recently 
I've been having dreams related pretty much to things that I might have spoken about or watched on like TV kind of thing and then dreaming about it. The dream that I had was um, the New York Times has like the 26 questions like you, you ask like someone you love to like find out more about them. So I was doing it with my housemate and I found. Is that the 26 questions for falling in love, Jenny? Yeah, that one. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, me and my housemate just thought we'd just do it with ourselves, like, you know, because it'd be a good way to learn about each other. And the really interesting... Trying to fall in love with your housemate? <laughs> <laughs> no, I already love her. <laughs> Actually, she wanted to try them out with someone she likes. But anyway, <laughs> so the one, because I think that, like, they're in three categories, right? And then, obviously, it's meant to go deeper and deeper as you mm-hmm. move on through the questions but I actually I didn't stumble upon it It, I just found it to be the most emotionally provoking question was the one that asked you what your relationship was with your mum and then like a couple days after that I had a dream and it was just based around like me and my mum really so yes so the dream so you said that so that's what happened in real life so so you did the quiz and found that the most emotionally provoking question was with your mom and then you had a dream about your mom or that your mom was in it. Can you tell us about that dream? Yeah. So I guess based on what we were saying before, my parents are also migrants as well to Australia and they became bakers. So we own like a bakery and stuff. And a lot of my childhood was spent pretty much at a bakery while my parents were working. So in the dream, it was at the last bakery that we had in Oakley South, like the suburb. And because it's actually like an actual bakery like that we had. And in the dream, it was like coming towards the afternoon like when we closed the bakery kind of time and I was out back and like my mum was just doing the things like serving customers and I guess prepping things for the next day and then she asks me to look after the shop while she goes and does things like takes the rubbish out and all that stuff like she wasn't going to be in the store and then while she was away a lot of customers came and then I just served them and I remember very vividly because there was this one customer and she asked to buy this bread thing and she asked me questions like oh what's in it is it gluten-free blah 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 all this stuff and I didn't know what the answers were so I went to go out back to find my mum and she wasn't there but then she ended up coming back and then she was like I, I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I don't, I don't know what happened to the customers. They kind of disappeared from my dream then. And then I was hungry, so I asked her if the, <laughs> the chicken and chip shop next door, if they were open. <laughs> and she was like, no, they've shut down. And then I got really upset about that as well. <laughs> and I should preface that I'm actually not, like, I'm a younger self as well. Like, it's not me now. It's like me when I was maybe like 12 or 13 or something, like around that age. And then it kind of ends there. So in the dream, you're at the bakery, it's in the afternoon, and it's a version of your younger self 
your mom asks you to look after the shop while she steps out to do a few things. Yeah. And while she's away, you start tending to the customers that are walking into the shop. How did you feel while you were taking care of the customers or while you were tending to the customers? I guess a bit like panicky. (laughs) Yeah, a bit panicky. I guess I should also say like growing up, like it was a dream, but I guess these things actually did happen while I was a kid. Like I did look after the shop at times in the afternoon for my parents. So I actually kind of felt like pretty much how I felt when it happened in real life growing up. So it was kind of like a, oh, I hope there are no customers come in. Like, I hope they don't ask me questions that I don't know. Just kind of, yeah, a bit stressed out. (laughs) I can kind of see some parallels arising already between yours and Bianca's dreams. (laughs) Panic and preparedness. (laughs) We're one and the same, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) So these expectations from us, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) totally (laughs) if we think of this dream in relation to Bianca's dream about being prepared for the Japanese exam the notion of panic and expectations that we need to live up to as well as our family legacy I think this is this is kind of a goldmine here (laughs) (laughs) it's it's interesting to think about you know your parents have asked you to do something and they've like entrusted you with this responsibility And then your response to being given this responsibility is like feeling stressed and, you know, panicky that you won't actually be able to fulfill that and that you won't know all the answers and that you, you know, will kind of like fail in a way. Mm. Yeah. Failure. Failure and knowing the answers. Yeah. That's a common theme between both yours and Bianca's dreams. Because in your dream, Jenny the customers come in and you were afraid of them asking questions that you didn't know the answer to. In Bianca's dream, she was going to be given an exam and there's a panic that the exam is going to ask questions that she's not going to be know the answers to. Mm. So that's it's actually the same yeah. dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> it's Inception. <laughs> oh my God. This is so funny. And now I see why Eleni invited both of the half Asian friends uh, on. Oh, I'm I'm not half Asian actually. With the... No, she's well. Jenny's full. Well, both her parents are from Vietnam. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Vietnam. Sorry, sorry. With the Asian immigrant parents. Yeah. <laughs> Between myself, Bianca, and Jenny, with the Asian immigrant parents, we can all suddenly see this common thread. <laughs> love it it's interesting that the dream is in the bakery because clearly the the bakery is some kind of symbol of your family's legacy and your family's work and the family's stability the family's source of nourishment both in terms of you know bread is itself is a source of nourishment but the life income the the lifeline income that this bakery provided to your family to support itself and in the dream you are your younger self So there's this feeling of vulnerability, you know, a child being given the responsibility to take care of this shop that is run by adults and the customers are adults. There's a certain vulnerability of being a child that feels like they don't know the answers, feels like they're unprepared facing the world because these customers come in from the outside world. Who the hell are they? There's a lot of pressure, you know, and there's a lot of fear, but at the same time, you know, your mom comes back and 
the shop didn't burn down. If anything, the, the customers at some point disappear and they're not even a concern. And at some point you get hungry and you want fish and chips, but the shop is closed. I feel like that might just be coronavirus. There's so many things that are shut down right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually didn't think of that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that. I was like, there's coronavirus. And like, coronavirus. it has to make an appearance. Oh, yeah, that sucking. <laughs> coronavirus has to cameo in all of our dreams nowadays. Because <laughs> it has permeated our psyches. I'm curious though, what are your feelings about, tell me about your feelings around fish and chips. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it chicken and chips. chips. Chicken and chips. It was, yeah, oh, it was charcoal. It was charcoal chicken and chips. And um, that's actually one of my favorite meals <laughs> that I'm missing oh my God. from Australia. <laughs> oh my God, Jenny, I had a moment the other day, we went into a chicken shop and normally I was, I would be like, oh, and when I say the other day, I mean pre-corona when things are open. We walked yeah. in and I was like, yes, chicken and chips. That's what I want. This is a chicken shop. And we go and they have all these sides, which normally I would think are delicious, like American sides, like mash and like, I don't know, I, like like mac and cheese and things like that. They did not have any chips, like no fries. And I was, I almost cried. Oh. Like I was like, how can you have a chicken shop with no chips? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel you I, I've been missing that too <laughs> oh I miss it I mean I still eat it obviously as an adult but like I think like because obviously like I have kind of reflected on the dream a bit as well and I just think maybe it's because it was the meal that I would go to that is not Vietnamese food because I grew up not liking Vietnamese food at all like I'd love it when my parents would be like you can have chicken and chips so I don't, I don't know if that's like related or not but yeah I think there's something there the fact that that was your favorite meal would you say that that was comfort food yeah actually it kind of still is comfort food for me <laughs> like so sometimes when I've been sick I'm um, like back in Melbourne because I'm in London now and let's say I was slowly getting my taste buds back from being sick I would actually get Rob my partner to go out and get me chicken and chips <laughs> like because <laughs> it was like the thing I wanted to eat. I don't know. Oh dear. <laughs> now I'm gonna crave chicken and chips. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now we can start seeing that the inclusion of the chicken and chips in the dream is not coincidental. Because after you were given this responsibility, and then your mom returns, and you're I'm presumably exhausted. <laughs> and stressed out after dealing with all these customers, you're like, I just want chicken and chips. I just want some comfort. <laughs> and then they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. <not> comfort. <laughs> because being an, being an adult, that often, I feel like as an adult myself, or when I try to be an adult, there's these moments where I'm just like, can I just have a break? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then life tells you, no. <laughs> <laughs> no no chicken and chips for you no soup for you <laughs> when you're craving this comfort when you're just craving that life would give you a break it feels like the the shop is shut down i think that that's yeah i think that there's a lot of things happening here interesting i yeah <laughs> i'm kind of curious going back to the very beginning when you were saying you feel like this dream came about because like you felt very emotionally provoked when you were asked about your relationship with your mother. 
And like, I feel like yeah. we haven't really like talked about that in context of, you know, the relationship you know, being art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I, th- I feel right. like something might be relevant there. Mm, totally. So tell um, us, tell us about <laughs> your relationship with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, well, it was, I, I mean, I think when I had responded to the question initially, like it was a tough question, but I think I did respond to it honestly not yeah not saying that I wouldn't have but um I I don't I don't have the best relationship with my mother like I wouldn't say I'm close to her I'm closer to my dad my parents are both divorced but I guess the thing is I I I think it is interesting that I did have the dream in the bakery with my mum because maybe most of the times in the evenings when I was in the bakery, it was with my mum because my dad would be, well, they were still together back then if I'm, like, thinking about that age. Like, my dad would have gone home already and, like, gone and have a nap because he would have wake obviously wake up early to bake the bread in the morning. So often that situation is with my mum and not deflecting on how I feel about the rule. I don't know. I, I think it's a bit hard. Like, obviously I respect her. Like, as an adult, thinking back about it, like, obviously, I think that my parents went through a lot, obviously, to come over to Australia. And I think that, obviously, you have to be really strong to do that mentally. Also, just to let you know as well, my parents actually met at a refugee camp in Thailand when they were trying to flee and come over to Australia. But I would say that my mum and I are quite different. It's a bit hard because I think my grandma raised me, so my mum's mum raised me more than my mum did. And in a way, I don't necessarily think she got to grow up as maybe as normal as, like, some of the other people might have been able to grow up with. So I feel like she's kind of, like, now experiencing things that, you know, other people didn't get experience. I'm not sure. Like, sometimes I felt like I was more mature than my mum which sounds weird, but I don't know. Like, as in she was deprived because how old was she when she left Vietnam? Oh, she tried to leave a couple of times. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, before she was 20. Okay. So you kind Maybe of feel like that early adult 18, 19 maturity. or something. Okay. So you kind of feel like she didn't necessarily get that early adult maturity and because she was going through this really kind of traumatic experience. She was, like, deprived of just, like, normal adulting experiences so then it was like a little bit stunted in that way I think so I don't know I think even though I think that she's a strong a mentally strong person to have endured what she did I think maybe I did question like sometimes I think she should have like stood up to my dad a bit more or something or like you know been a bit more vocal about how she felt about things and I guess growing up I felt that I wasn't going to be that, like I wasn't going to be like my mum pretty much, mm. if that makes sense. I don't know if I deviated from the, like you, like felt You felt mom. like your mum couldn't stand up for herself and you kind of were more determined to be someone that was like outspoken about how you were feeling. Yeah, or just stood up for what I felt or like yeah. let it be known. And Yeah. And I felt like she endured a lot because – she was thinking about like me and my siblings, which I, I get, I get why she did that, but I probably wouldn't have done that. Mm. 
Yeah. Brandon has contemplating face on. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's quite, yeah, (laughs) complex. Like, that's why it was, like, quite a hard question for me to articulate because I feel, like, obviously a lot of different things about my relationship with my mother. And, obviously, I have a long-term relationship and now she's seeing, like, a couple of men, which, you know, like, good for her if that's what makes her happy because I guess now that she's, after she was divorced to my dad, like, she could maybe feel like she could be more herself and see people that show her different type of affections. But, yeah, obviously quite different from me yeah. in my relationship. I think it was interesting when you when you somehow described your mother as potentially stunted in her development because of her traumatic experiences that she went through when she was fleeing Vietnam as a refugee. Yeah. And the the idea that on some level your mother has a certain immaturity about her that you feel. And in your dream, you were a child. A useful perspective that we can use is the the idea that everybody else in your dream is yourself. And on one level, that person in your dream is who you see that as that, you know, your mother. But on another level, your mother in your dream is a projection of your mother that is some aspect of yourself. And it's some aspect of your mother that you see in yourself that you're grappling with. And I think it's interesting the the words that you're using to describe her and the the imagery of yourself in the dream and the fact that you're talking to her in the dream, like the notion of immaturity and the the deprivation of certain experiences as a normally developing young adult, are those things that, that might resonate with you in the sense that your mother went through this and in some ways you feel like you went through this, that in some ways maybe you felt like you were deprived of certain normal experiences growing up as a young young child and as a young adult, you know, certain traumatic things. I mean, but then that's also life, right? Like we all go through trauma growing <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Cause I guess um, maybe growing up a bit, I did feel like, I mean, I had a good childhood, but I, I felt like maybe I didn't have quite the Western kind of childhood that a lot of my friends would have had. Can you elaborate on what you mean by what what is the the Western childhood look like to you? Um, I don't know. I just felt like well, I think for me, I just felt like I was at the bakery a lot <laughs> till my parents finished working. I don't know. This is a silly example, but like I didn't really have birthday parties. Like my first birthday party that I had was oh in grade oh I think it was like grade eight maybe, and um. It was at Pizza Hut and I don't know, like, I didn't have, I didn't go to like, you know, Macca's, like McDonald's and have like, you know, I didn't have a McDonald's party and <laughs> that was like cool and I never had one of those. Oh my God. <laughs> Jenny, that's something um, I needed to explain to Brandon because that's not a thing in America. <laughs> like they didn't get the kids McDonald's parties. Like that's such oh, a no, big I- I mean, I didn't have McDonald's parties, oh. but I think other people did go to oh, McDonald's birthday parties. I think they parties. didn't have them here. The ice cream think, cake. You didn't have ice cream cake, though. 
Oh, ice cream cake. I don't know about ice cream cake at McDonald's. That's not, I, I mean, you unless believe people it? brought it in. <laughs> you need people to have go to Baskin Robbins to get the ice cream cake. It's all about the ice cream cake. That's why you have a McDonald's party. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I just did feel like I was doing those things, like going over to people's houses and hanging out with them. And it wasn't a bad childhood. I wouldn't say that. It was just more like I just, and I had friends. It just was, it was just like, I felt like most times, like after school, I'd go to the bakery. Or go home. I think this notion of an adult that has some level of immaturity, like seeing your mom as this adult that went through trauma and was deprived of certain experiences. In your dream, you're a child. You are the younger version of yourself. And yeah, you know, I wonder. I wonder if that resonates in the sense that do you sometimes feel like you're this immature, unprepared adult that is lacking certain experiences to face the world? I get what you're saying. I actually. I, no, like, I mean, I guess at that time I did feel like I was missing out, but I don't necessarily think that thinking back those experiences make me feel like I'm an unprepared adult. I would actually say even growing up I felt like, I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but my parents weren't very fluent, good with English, like, as I was growing up, so I actually felt like most of the times whenever there was like a form or something that I had to get for school, I was always filling it in for my parents and like always writing all the things for my parents, like even like just doing translations and everything. And I didn't, so I don't necessarily, like I felt like I was being quite adult when it's like not something that a child normally does. Like write Mm. your own sick note for you, (laughs) like for your parents (laughs) to sign kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I don't think that well, I don't resent my I, parents or I don't feel, like, upset about missing out on some of the things that maybe other people would have. Well, I guess it's it's interesting because I was asking about whether or not you feel, you know, whether or not there's some part of you inside that feels like you're just not prepared to face the world now. But then when you answered, you're like, well, when I was a kid, actually, I had to really behave like an adult. Yeah. So... I, I don't know. I think there's an interesting kind of like, there's something flipped on its head, right? Like I, I see that there's some part of you that was like, oh, well, I didn't get the, I didn't get the birthdays and I had to work a lot. I had to write my own sick notes. There's some part of you maybe that wanted to be like, damn it. I just wanted to be a kid having fun. Also, Jenny, you did mention at some point, like, I don't necessarily feel like my mom raised me. I feel like my grandma raised me. So I I wonder if there's also something there with what you said after that about feeling like you didn't have like a normal Western childhood because I I think that that is more of like a migrant experience or, you know, like within certain cultures it is more common to be raised by the extended family whereas like in a more nuclear kind of, you know, as you said, Western family, like the parents are centred whereas, you know, I would say my grandma raised me too because my parents were working and I essentially Mm. during the weekdays lived with my grandma, you know. So I like definitely relate to that and it's kind of this weird thing where it's like I don't necessarily feel like my parents didn't raise me but I do think that my grandma had a very strong influence on my upbringing because, I mean, if we think about it literally, she did raise me. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, it's interesting looking back because once you meet other, you know, as adults and we share these experiences, it's, like, so much more common than we ever imagined back then. 
because yeah. we kind of experience similar things in different ways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Between Bianca's dreams and Jenny's dreams, this notion of expectations and preparedness and thinking about our families and connecting to our heritage and honoring our parents living up to those expectations. It's a very prevalent experience. Mm. It's interesting when you think of like the collective consciousness. Yeah. This idea that we all share these certain images in our brains. We all share these certain images in our dreams when we have these shared common experiences as the children of immigrants. It's very interesting how this taps into the notion of collective consciousness and collective experience and archetypical experiences. Because on certain levels, we're having very archetypical experiences of what it's like to be the children of immigrants. Yeah, and I think, I think the interesting thing is, like, for me growing up, I kind of thought that, like, I guess, like, you don't really talk about what, when you're little. And so now it's kind of coming out now that you've got people that you probably didn't think you had similar backgrounds to, that this you've kind of got similar experiences. So it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's, like, like, I feel like even thinking about, like, Brandon and I's connection, like, I think that that is something that kind of brings us together in a lot of ways. As the children of immigrants. Yeah. And then also, as you said, within our friendship group, like, I do think that is definitely, like, a binding factor and, like, why we all became so close in a lot of ways. Oh, like, just for example, like, you know, when I'd be around your family, Lenny, and, you know, you might say something and in a way it's kind of like, you laugh about it because it's like, oh, my God, like, I totally experienced that as well, like, growing up kind of thing. <laughs> but then obviously, like, when you're experiencing as a kid, you're like, oh, man, like, what the hell? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and also, yeah, as a child and as a teenager, things, it's like, so, like, that's your world. Like, it's very, it's like you're so consumed by immediately what's going on and it's like, oh, it's so, like, frustrating and I'm, like, so alone and, like, this is, this is like, why am I the only one having to put up with this? And then you grow up and you're like, oh, my God, everyone was actually in the same boat this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Funny. We're all alone in this together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Amazing. All right. Cool. I feel like we covered a lot of ground here, folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that they linked nicely. I like there was a common thread between the two of your dreams, too. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think, to be honest, I was like, oh, um, nothing's going to, not that nothing's going to come out of my dream, but I was like, I'm not descriptive enough to get anything for you guys to pull anything from it. And I was like, wow, (laughs) so many threads from that. (laughs) Well done, guys. I'm impressed. Oh, I thought I used to think about dream my dreams a lot, but now I'm like, oh no, I clearly did not like just scrape the surface, really. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Are you using my mask as a coaster? I was trying not to make noise. Okay. <laughs> She's like using my my corona mask as a coaster <laughs> Lol. sorry um anyway <laughs> thank you for joining us on let's talk about dreams this episode was co-produced by brandon hogstead and eleni Matteo. editing and sound design by danny perez For more information, visit letstalkaboutdreams.com.
If you're interested in having your own dreams interpreted, I also do private sessions. You can send inquiries to podcastltad at gmail.com. That's the word podcast and the letters L-T-A-D at gmail.com. Thank you.